In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you, Paying It Forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on Drugginet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Jirasi. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine here. I am so excited. We're going to have an incredible show today. But before I introduce my guest to you, I want to give two shout-outs this week. The first is to... um, the shoe shiner, believe it or not, at LaGuardia Airport. His name was John DiCicchio, and I was getting ready to go on a business trip last week, and he is the nicest guy. He is the friendliest guy, and he truly loves what he does. And if there is any example of somebody paying it forward, it is John. So John lured me up to sit down. He asked me if I wanted my boot shined, and I said, sure, why not? So I sat down, and he said to me, he said, I'll tell you, I never have charged a woman in my life to shine her shoes. And I just said, wow, that is so kind of you. He said, yes, if you're a woman, if you're a clergy, if you're elderly, or if you're handicapped, he never, ever took money from any of those people. And I thought, how nice is that? And he looked at me and he said, you know what? I love to pay it forward. It just makes me feel good. And I said, I went into my pocket and I took out my business card and on the back of it was my paying it forward uh, radio logo and description that I love to pay it forward too. So with that, I want to say thank you so much to John for doing such a good deed for me and for everybody else out there. So that's a shout-out to John. Now, there's one other shout-out I'd like to give. It's to a woman named Sandra Bornstein. And Sandra came up with a great book. The title of the book is May This Be the Best Year of Your Life. It's a memoir of her journey as a teacher in India. And it's really a compelling, moving story. But the reason why I feel... And that Sandra deserves a shout out is because I feel that she is literally as a teacher out there changing the lives of so many children. So you'll have to go. Um, you can get her book. I believe it's on Amazon. It's Sandra Bernstein. May this be the best year of your life, a memoir. So enjoy the book and let me know. Email me at josephine at payingitforwardradio.com and let me know if you liked the book. Okay, with that, I cannot wait to invite my guest, um, Gary Garrison, who is a serial entrepreneur. 
boy, oh boy, he has so much enthusiasm. He loves life and he's just a great, great person. He has owned four businesses. He actually was um, in the military. He was in the U.S. Navy. And when he was discharged in 1964, after fulfilling all of his military obligations, he started Garrison Fuel Oil of Long Island. And he built this business into a 30-truck operation over the years, which is really huge. Um, he purchased several small fuel companies, and then he further expand, expanded the operation into a security company, which he named Garrison Security, a bottling company, which he called Piping Rock Natural Spring Water, and also a recycling company, Castaway Recycling. He sold all of his businesses in 2006. He, um, he serves on many boards, the Empire State Petroleum Association, the Oil Heat Association of Long Island as a chairman, the Metropolitan Energy Council, as well as good fellows of Suffolk County and many Long Island charities. Gary is happily married to his beautiful and wonderful wife, Janice, who I know personally. And um, he also resides in Lloyd Harbor as well in Fort Myers, Florida. So welcome to Paying It Forward, Gary. How are you doing, Josephine? Boy, that was quite an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, we're hoping Janice is listening, and my belief is that there's always a powerful woman behind that powerful man. How's that, Oh, Gary? you got it. That's for sure. <laughs> She's a great supporter, and I know that. So Yes, um, she is. She worked hard with me over the years in business, and uh, she knows what it's all about. Absolutely. So, Gary, I can't wait to hear all about this. Before we get started and how you started your businesses, tell us a little bit about your childhood. I mean, did you ever do anything as a child that would ever make you think that you turn into the big, successful entrepreneur that you are? No, I never thought. But, you know, my mother used to remind me how when I was about eight years old, I, uh, I bought a whole bunch of penny pads, penny pads. And I started going around in the days when you could knock on doors, going around knocking on doors and selling the penny pads for two cents. Well, I got a little, about two or three days, I got a little tired of doing this myself. So I rounded up all the kids in the neighborhood and I got them selling all the pads for three cents. So each, they made a penny, cost me a penny and I had a 30% march. <laughs> My mother kept reminding me of that. I was an entrepreneur at a young age, but, uh, I remember selling cards, Christmas cards and stuff. I always wanted to do something. I always worked. had a job when I was 13. Uh, not only live in newspapers, but I worked in a supermarket when I was 13. So I, I was always the worker. You know, I was always the worker. My brother well, always told me he works with his brains, not with his hands, which wasn't my case. <laughs> yeah, but that's so funny. So what did you do with your money, Gary? Did you save it up for the next venture? Well, it's funny when I went into the when I went into the fuel oil business, it was really on the direction of my father. My father gave me that direction to go into the fuel oil business. He started a company in 1954, and he stayed in it. Uh, it was called Tragar Fuel Oil. He stayed in it for about two years, and he got out of it. He had a lot of conflicts. He was in the insurance business, and he just couldn't do it. So he talked me. He talked me into going into the business ten years later. And uh, I, if I listened to anything, I was so glad I listened to him on that 
on that note. And, okay. uh, you know, the business grew, and uh, he was an insurance guy, so he helped me get my first 100 or 200 customers introducing me to people, and that was really a big start for me, helping me out quite a bit. I really owed that to my father. And, oh. and the business, uh, you know, these different businesses, they just, it's funny how one thing leads to the next, you know, mm -hmm. and, and always stay with something that you know, uh, or, or it's related to the business that you're in. Stay with a related type of thing. I went on vacation one time, and I came back, and my general manager told me uh, we lost uh, 10 customers to uh, security, to alarm systems in houses. And uh, I said, alarm systems in houses? What, what could this be? It's impossible. What are we talking about here? Right. Sure enough, everybody's jumping into the alarm business and uh, giving away free alarms if you became an oil customer. Overnight, I was in the alarm business. <laughs> That's great. You see, Gary, how the opportunity really sometimes just comes up. And, you know, yeah. you could have sat back and said, well, it's only 10 customers. But I know you're a true entrepreneur and you aren't going to let that happen. <laughs> the competition in you is the fire, the fire in the belly. And that's amazing. And no matter what you had to do to figure out the security system, it sounds like you figured it out. Yeah, well, it actually built up another nice little business within itself, and it really gave me good ideas about being diversified in the business and not just be a single-brand company such as Fuel Oil where you could be a little of everything. You could, be, you could have an, uh, a plumbing division, an electrical division, and you can actually create companies with this, and you can, uh, you can actually build up a profit in these different companies that have a value – that could be sold at a later date if one wished. But it, it, it's nice. no longer just to be a multi-company. You've really got to be. You can't be uh, a one-product company in the new millennium. You'll fail. Yeah. You can't just make sewing machines. You have to make uh, computers. You know, you have to the, many different things. You know. I, I think that's great. But, Gary, let's talk a second about the um, – when I was asking you what you did with your money, I was really kind of uh, talking about when you were a teenager, Gary, and you were making all the money <laughs> off of the pads and everything. Um, and then you jumped into your real business, which is fine. <laughs> but um, my question is, let's go back to the fuel business. So the fuel company, you said your dad had helped you, which is amazing, and you got that business rolling like I'll, I'll tell you we're getting ready to come up on a quick break gary uh okay. we have a less than two minutes All but right, i'll tell you as a business owner i i think that the scariest part for me was probably hiring the first employee did you feel the same way like how yeah, did you was, start uh, yeah. getting your business going because when I started, obviously I was doing everything. I was doing, uh, I was delivering oil. Uh, I didn't know how to fix oil burners. I was going to Farmingdale College at night school, learning how to do heating and air conditioning. And I, uh, yeah, when I hired the first serviceman, it was a big jump, you know, hiring your first person. And uh, yeah. that's what eases you up to give you the ability to go out and get more customers. That's the way I always looked at it. I always yeah. considered myself a uh, professional salesman before anything. I think that that's so great. And my feeling is if we could find people better than ourselves to get the job done, the more the better for the entrepreneur because we have our minds so occupied with so many tasks trying to juggle the balls all over the place that the more well-qualified people we can hire for our team, 
the better off it would be. Yeah. So, yeah. so that sounds great. But I love the fact, Gary, that you took it upon yourself to go to school and to learn the business and to learn how to fix the oil burners yourself. Because I think that's a big lesson as an entrepreneur is that, yes, you can go out there, you can hire people, you can free yourself up. But it's always important for you to at least know what your employees are doing so you can stay on top of them and make sure that the job is getting done the way that it really needs to get done. So anyway, with that, um, we're going to take a really quick break, but I can't wait to hear more from Garrett Garrison, our guest on Paying It Forward. So hang in there, everyone, and we will be back shortly. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on toginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine, and I'm so excited to get some great information from Gary Garrison. So, um, Gary, so we started to talk about your oil business. So you were going to school at night to learn how to do the add-on. Would you call them add-on features just to – so you supply the oil, then you were training on how to maintain the burners, correct? Right, correct. And yeah, then, we, and then you just started. What made you decide to um, just start eating up the Pac-Man effect, eating up the smaller fuel companies? Well, when the opportunities arose, that's the only way you really can grow. May it be uh, uh, post cereal or someone like that. You know, they're going to grow through acquisitions, and the best way to grow, obviously, is is buying small companies up. You know, you can have your own form of growth, but. If you have an opportunity to buy someone, how how easy it is to grow the base of the customer and uh, the customer list and base. But were you in pursuit of that? Were you out there, you know, doing your research to figure out if there was somebody, or was it just in conversation? Because it looked like you were among a lot of people because of your board positions. Yeah, you the- notice when you run that, like I was a member of the Oil Heat Institute of Long Island. When you when you, you meet a lot of people, and you meet a lot of people in the same business, 
And I guess if you hit it off with certain people when the, the timing comes and they're thinking of uh, turning the lights out, you know, they gave me a call. And I had a number of people, probably five, six, seven companies that, over time that were like that. You that know. sounds great. But, Gary, so I guess the lesson to be learned here is try to get involved with any board positions you possibly can that are affiliated with your business. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's a great idea because you get to know your uh, fellow competitors in the business, and they're really friendly competitors is what it boils down to. And uh, But it, it, it just opens up life so much nicer, knowing your, knowing your, comp, your competition and uh, – no one wants to hurt each other. Everyone is trying to be friendly competitors. And opportunities come when someone's thinking of selling. That's a that's an ideal time when someone's going to pick up the phone and give you a call, you know. Yeah, I think that's great. Okay, so now you have the fuel business running, and out of nowhere, then you start the garrison security overnight. How did you handle the two companies, Gary? Were you feeling like um, – how did you do it? Was it a smooth transition? Did you just learn, get I thrown into the a, fire and learn one step at a time? How did you do it? I thought, it, well, it, it was a threat to my fuel oil business, knowing that companies could, this particularly this one company, could take away your customers and you couldn't compete with it. You know, when they give away a free alarm and not, uh, uh, and they got wound up with a new oil customer, what could I offer my customer to compete with that? Nothing. I had no form of competing. So... I, I just got on. I got went through the yellow pages in those days, mm-hmm. calling every alarm company, starting with A in the book, and uh, asked them if they were interested in selling. And I hit on this one guy that had a small company with about five, six hundred accounts, and I, I we wound up making a deal together. And that's how I actually. And with that, I, I got a uh, couple of installers because I didn't really know the alarm business. That's a bad position to be in. Not uh-huh. knowing the business, it's how to do it, you know, how to install it. You really, that's a smart thing one should learn is how to install it. And eventually, as time went along, I did go out on jobs and just follow the installation, so I understood it. But then I solicited, I solicited to all my customers in the first year, after soliciting to my own base, I wound up with about 1,500 more accounts in the alarm business. Wow. So that was through my own customer base. And same held true with the bottled water business. I went into the bottled water business with, uh, I was in Italy on an oil convention, and everybody's drinking bottled water. This is 1991. The mm-hmm. on the side, and they're drinking water. What are all these? You go out for dinner, do you want the water with the gas or without the gas, blah, blah, blah. I said, but this is, you don't see this in the United States. But it's, it's, I mean, it's like a boom, you know, what a business. And, you know, you talk about windows of opportunity and having your eyes open and be alert on something like this. I came back home and I, I started calling up someone I know knew in the soda business who was diversifying into bottled water. And he actually became my consultant. He actually I hired him. He was my consultant. And he took me through the whole water industry. And I, I'm, what I was really got started with was the five-gallon bottle in the cooler. And, uh, uh, you know, we would give away a free trial, a uh, 30-day free trial, four bottles of water free. But before you knew it, we were selling them left and right. We were all over the place. We were in three states with the bottled water. And it was, it was growing bigger than the, uh, the oil business or the alarm business at a much faster pace. Oh, wow. And Coke. Coke That's amazing, Gary. 
And the thing is, you were utilizing one office space to run all these businesses, correct? <clears throat> I was, yeah, I was operating a very, very small operation. I actually even had a trailer in the back where I handled all my drivers. It was, we were really, the, 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 the operation was too small. The, the building was too small for the way the size of our business was going. And I did put a general manager in each area to run the business, a general manager for the alarms, general manager for the oil, and a general manager for the water. And the water, the same thing. We advertised we had this new division. We, we signed up a couple thousand people in the first year just in the water business. Wow, so that's really, a lot. Uh, I mean, it, 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 without even really doing serious advertising, it was a great way to put on new business, just working your own customer base. I and, think that, uh, oh, my gosh, Gary, like that should be a quote from you. It's so important to capitalize on your own customers. And think about it. Any homeowner needs, most of us need fuel to operate our homes, number one. Most of the homes that you're going to, everybody wants an alarm system nowadays, so they need that too. As far as bottled water, you know, it is, everybody's drinking bottled water no matter how you look at it. And who really wants to keep going back and forth to the supermarket for the gallons you know, the gallon of water. It's so much more convenient to have the water in the cooler, the five gallons. So you figured that one out too. So Yeah, it's funny how one business kind of leads to the next. Water seems so unrelated, but it's really related in the form of service. It's it's delivered with trucks. We know all about trucks. And you you have a man that's going to provide service to the customer. May it be commercial or residential. And, uh, I mean, it built nicely, the business, but we, we ran almost 30 trucks in there before I sold it. But, you know, and, uh, and we also, that's what led to going into castaway recycling, the recycling business from the bottled water business. That was another bit, just led into it. And we, we started doing it again in a bigger way where we went out and got uh, uh, all, the, all the manufacturers of the plastic and all the guys that were bottling the water we got all this scrap plastic we brought it back to our place and we started compacting it wow then we started putting compactors in different locations and have them have the different uh commercial guys compacting their own materials and then we would pick it up with a tractor trailer once a month whatever the case may be and we'd recycle a plastic that was another wow we just tripped over that i mean we just tripped over these different business but it all kind of worked from one to the next to the next and of course, my mind was always moving. I said the things I should have done, like I mentioned earlier, was actually starting a plumbing division, an air conditioning division, and a electrical division. All total separate company. Could have been Garrison Electric, been like Donald Trump, you know, Doug Garrison's uh, yeah. electric Garrison plumbing, but uh, in a smaller scale than Donald Trump, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I think that this is all good, but. Great points that you're making to hire a general manager to run right underneath you all of the businesses. Now, did you have business meetings? Like, what was your day-to-day operation? Were you on the top? I mean, Gary, I repeat this over and over in my radio show about how it's so important for entrepreneurs to not to work on your business as opposed to in your business. And it seems to me that that's what you did. You worked on all yeah. the opportunities on the very high level, but made sure that you had your general managers and employees who were working in the business. Is that true? 
Yeah, yeah. We, you, you have to stay close with them in, on a daily basis. Uh, it may not even be a meeting in a sit-down boardroom, but just going through. I used to see each guy, you know, sit, just walk in their office, sit down for 15 minutes, and how are we doing, what's going on here, and what's going And then we would have meetings at least once a week, all the different divisions, because they all kind of work together. You know, there was always things. Yeah. My salesmen loved it because they would go out and sell, so they're going to see a new fuel oil customer. And at the, they, while, they're in the, while they're in the office or in the home seeing the customer, they're talking about the alarm business. They're talking about uh, bottled water. They walk out with technically three new customers from one. Unbelievable. So it, was good, it was good to uh, have meetings and keep everybody informed of what each division was doing. And uh, it, it was just it worked. You know, it really worked. I mean, I couldn't look after all three of them and really be smart at it. You know, you needed other people that were pretty sharp at it doing yeah. their their own division. But Gary, Whatever. if there's any one real thing I've learned as of being an entrepreneur, isn't it just so funny how when you start a new company, a new business, you have one picture in your mind and you have you feel like you have the road completely paved and figured out. And it's so funny how that paved road changes a hundred times. And it could change a hundred times in one year, in one month, in one day. You start out in one direction and all of a sudden the business changes into something you never would have imagined. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think it's I think it's really interesting how that happens. So, um all right, so let's talk about um did we talk about the full service company where we came up with that phrase? Because I think that is such a great story. It's funny. When I was in the Oil Heat Institute of Long Island, a lot of people are probably not aware of this. Maybe hearing it today, they would understand, they would realize it. Years ago, but let me back up. I'm going to a meeting. I was chairman of the advertising committee for Long Island Oil Heat, and we were getting beat up by discount oil companies that were. That wasn't gas. Gas wasn't hurting us because oil was the, it was 70, 75% of the market was oil heat. Gas was trying to make these big inroads, and they really never had luck, primarily because of price. So price kept them from really gobbling up the market. The mm-hmm. discount oil guy who would be in the penny saver selling oil for 20, 30, 40 cents a gallon lower, providing no service, nothing, he was the guy that was, we, we were really in competition with. And I remember at the time... It was probably 30, 35% of the oil companies on Long Island with discount oil companies. Uh, so that was us. And so on the way to the meeting, I'm passing this gas station, and all of a sudden I'm at the light, and I'm looking, I'm saying, full service island and, and, and self-service. So I, it just bingo, it hits me. I said, that's it. We want to be, separate ourselves from these discount oil companies. We want to be full service company. We want to be a person where we provide the service, we deliver the oil, and we're, knowledge- and we're knowledgeable. And uh, it, it, I can't it, believe it, Gary. What a brilliant, brilliant idea. It all just makes sense. That's how we come up with full-service company. That's how we come up. We come up with full-service. Everybody jumped on it, and we separated ourselves from the discount. I think that's great. But we're halfway through our show. But everybody stay with us. We're going to talk more about how Gary came up with the full service company concept. Thanks, everyone.
We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4 or 3 Central on Toginet.com. Juliana is certified as a life coach who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on Juliana and her show, check out her website, connectwithjuliana.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com. Everyone, it's Josephine here. So I have Gary Garrison on the line with us, and Gary was just explaining to us how he came up with the full service company concept, and I think it's so so brilliant. So, Gary, do you want to explain? Um, why don't you take it from there? How you were describing sure. about the discount fuel companies and. Yeah, when I got, and as I mentioned, I I, I spotted the gas station on the way to this board meeting, uh, advertising committee meeting, and uh, for the Oil Heat Institute of Long Island, and uh, I spotted a full-service gas station, full-service, no, full-service island, self-service island, and that, they used to consider that, I mean, that's the day were the days where people did, they washed your windshield, checked your oil, checked your air in your tires, that was full-service to a gas station. So gas stations kind of, in a small way, had it one way or another. But it was, you know, it soon dropped off the charts when you just fill up your tank and you drive away and nobody gives you any kind of service. But the full service, we got to the meeting, mentioned about I had an idea, let's start calling ourselves full-service oil companies. Everybody thought it was wonderful. We started doing big advertising in all the papers, newspaper, all the local papers. It took off so big that I think everyone, everyone in the United States was using full service. They were all full-service oil companies. Everyone's, and it wasn't before that time. And then it, then it became where you started seeing it in every type of business out there. May it be, like I said, electric, plumbing, the full-service plumbers. They get, you know, whatever that may mean, 
but it sounds uh-huh. better. The discount guys had no discount oil companies had a tough time. Then they started trying to come up with we're a full service discount company. A lot of them didn't provide service. They were um, strictly oil company delivered at a discount price for cash, and that was it. But the, it really separated ourselves from discount oil companies that it worked very well for a number of years. I think that's years. so smart. I mean, Gary, yeah. you know, as you know, my husband, Chris, is also an entrepreneur, and he's in the building, you know, construction business. And I always tell him when a customer gives you a hard time that they don't want to pay, he should repeat this one phrase over and over again. You get what you pay for. And the thing about the discount fuel companies is that, yes, you might get your fuel for cheaper, but you also always have in the back of your mind that worry that, well, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do if my oil burner goes down? And the concept of the full service, I think, brings peace of mind to people and I think that's that has something to do maybe with why it was accepted so well. Do you think, Gary? Yeah, it, it, it took off. It really, it's, it's used across the board in most industries today, that term. And the gas station industry really didn't capitalize on it the way they should have because they, I mean, where do you get full, kind of, any kind of full service anymore today? No, for a right. car, when you drive into a gas station, nowhere. You know. Right. You're so right. So, all right, Gary, let's switch gears a little here because this is such a great concept, and I think you're an amazing salesperson, too. So tell us about your puppy dog salesmanship concept. (laughs) I love this. You know, uh, it was uh, a salesman at work for me. His name was Tom Connolly, greatest guy in the world. I thought this guy was the smoothest silk. He was just – he always would tell me, Tell me he was going to stay out late till about eight o'clock at night till the sun went down. Keep selling. He was so full of baloney. He was just making me feel good. But he would say, uh, "Yeah, I gave him the puppy dog salesmanship routine today." Uh, and I said, "What's that all about, Tom? What's a puppy dog salesmanship mentality?" It's right. like when you give someone a puppy dog. What do they do? They go, oh, he's so cute. Can you hold him just for two days? Hold him for two days. After two days, you don't want to give the puppy dog up. And we use, and we, and we use that with the coolers in the water business. He'll take a cooler for take a cooler for thirty days it's free. Three. We weren't pulling anything over anyone. Try it for thirty days free. We'll give you four bottles of water. Try it for free. After you're used to drinking bottled water for a month, you don't want to give it up. You want to keep no. it. And so, so it cost us for thirty days free trial. Uh, and it just led on to having a steady customer for years going to the present day. People would stay with you on something like that. But it was always the puppy. <laughs> I think that's so funny. I think that's great. So, Carrie, I have a question for you. I'm springing it on you. But sure. if you were to look back at your four businesses, what do you think your biggest challenge was that you had experienced over the years? Biggest challenge, biggest challenge, was probably uh, knowing when to get out of the business. Oh, you know, I like that. Knowing when to That's get great. out and, uh, and, and moving on. So tell us a little more about that. What made you think of that? Well, I think everything, I think with business, everything is timing. You, you stay in something too long and you just miss the window of opportunity in selling it. In my particular case, 
I sold, I sold, I knew I was going to develop this water business into something bigger than I had in the oil business. And it, at the rate it was growing. And uh, so I decided to sell the, sell the oil business, sell the alarm business, and stay 100% with the water business. So that was tough. It was not really as tough as it sounded, but it was tough because of the people you have to kind of leave behind, steady, reliable, loyal employees that worked with me for years. That was such a tough, tough decision, you know, that I couldn't keep that. You know, a guy who was a serviceman couldn't go with me in the water business. If they were a driver and they wanted, opted to, I would have taken them on as the driver in the water business. But it was, okay. that, that was a tough decision in the course of selling it and selling off and, and letting different people uh, have to move on with their lives, you know, in different ways. Now, how did you go about selling the business, Gary? The oil business, you could have, you could have met with certain people on Long Island, shook hands by noontime, and you had a deal in two days. I'm wow. serious. That's how easy. And that was, I sold the oil business in 96. I sold the, the lawn business in 95. And I just sold the, uh, the water business. I sold, I say oil, right? Oil business in 96, 95, the alarm business. And we just sold the uh, uh, water business in uh, 2006. Uh, Nestle's wound up buying it. Oh, wow. That's uh, great. Yeah. So, Gary, um, how about giving up your, your oil business? Was that really tough because that was really considered your first baby? Yeah, and it was. It was. I mean, it was in my blood from from the time I was 21 years old. I mean, it was in my blood. Wow. That's what I really knew the most. But I knew it was right to move on to this next venture, which which was water, and put our big efforts into it. It, it, it was tough, can I? Because you, you you know you uh, you're sympathetic towards the business, and you love it, and you've grown up with it, and. You, you don't want to probably get out of it. But I was glad I got it. The timing is everything. We were. Look at the oil business today. They have such tough competition against gas. The price is probably double the cost of oil of gas right now, natural gas. Right. And, mm -hmm. and it's a, you're, they're in a tough and the price is so high. I don't know how I'd ever be paying my bills today with the with the major companies. But it's so in hindsight, looking back, it was a good move because I wouldn't want to be in the business looking at it today, 16, 17 years later. This would be terrible, tough business to be in. The guys that are that are in it now that are old-timers in the business, boy, they have to have deep pockets to keep alive in the industry, to keep alive in the business. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't miss it too it. much, and I don't miss the, the, the water business I got out, out of, out of had to get out. I had to get out of the water business. We, we had coolers. We were renting coolers for anywhere from 10 to $15 a month. At the time, I was buying water coolers for $240 by the trailer load. We were, we were putting on... 100, 150, 100, 150 accounts a week. That's how fast it was growing. And wow. so we were, we were growing all over. Every six, seven, eight weeks, we're buying a new, oil, a new water truck. And uh, what happened, you couldn't buy a water cooler unless you went through a bottled water company. Huh. Until oh, wow. That's Costco so interesting. I never knew that. Home Depot and all these stores started selling pools cheaper than we could buy them for. We were paying yeah. 240 They were selling for under $100. So obviously, what's the average person going to do? Go out and buy a water cooler. You still had the water customer, but you lost that recurring revenue from the water coolers. And that was a big, that was a big cut into the bottled water industry. 
and, and the case goods in that industry, very hard to compete with the Nestle's of the world mm-hmm. and all your big Crystal Rock and all the big companies of the world that do many, many uh, uh, millions of cases of, of uh, the small single-serve bottles. So that became very difficult to compete into that business at the end. Even though everybody says, oh, bottled water now is great. You should be in the water. Nah, the timing, I just wish I was two years earlier getting out of it. That, that was yeah. my only regret. That was the timing. Again, getting back to timing. Everything I think you're timing. so right about that, Gary. But tell yeah. me something. How do you sell your business to Nestle? Well, it, you, you start knocking on their doors. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. You just call them up. Yeah. All right. So, Gary, so you have – we only have two minutes till our next break. But sure. we had – so you had four businesses you were running at the same time. Right. I, I mean, it's so hard. Like, I feel like I'm running two businesses between my Glovey's business and my radio show. How do you keep track of four businesses? Did you have one accountant that was taking care of the four businesses? Or yeah. did you mm-hmm. really establish separate companies and separate employees? We, uh, you know, it was like, it was just, the only difference was running four businesses under one roof. I mean, you had your, your sales reports, your, uh, all your reports were given to me on a daily and weekly basis. And uh, I didn't even know how to turn on the printer. They Everybody just handed me all the reports, and it, I, I was really spoiled. And I, so I was pretty up to date on what we were doing in the business. And, and I always, I always had reports that gave me the, the previous year to the current, so I could okay. see if I was over or under the trend for this year versus last year, and that always gave me a feel that I, I was doing. In the oil business, it was easy; it was just counting gallons. If I was doing more gallons uh, this quarter than I did last year, I was happy, you know. And I, and I just kept looking at that, trend. and I very rarely ever had a quarter when my gallons went down. Now I would expect, with a, with high prices of oil, uh, a guy would be going down because the the demand would be less. So they'd be tightening the belt. So. Yeah. Well, I I just think it's so great and important, and you were right on top of all those reports, and I think that's. That's super important because that's how the business can run so smoothly, that you were able to notice if something needed to be changed right away. Right. So we are getting ready to come up to our last segment of Paying It Forward, but everybody stay with us because Gary has five great business tips he's going to share with us. So we will be back shortly, everyone. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Get the competitive edge and take your success to the next level with the Gold Medal Success Show and your host, Forrest Fisher, six-time U.S. National Gold Medalist. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central, 6 Pacific, here on the Rockstar Radio Network as Forrest gives you access into the mindset of true champions and helps you apply these success principles to your life and business for immediate results. Each show will feature guest athletes and business experts who have achieved tremendous success and are ready to share their their stories of struggle, glory, 
Tragedy and Triumph, revealing tips and strategies Forrest and these guest experts use to propel themselves to world-class success. Many people live their whole lives wanting more. The Gold Medal Success Show will demonstrate that anyone can have a more fulfilling and satisfying life when they put a few basic principles into play. Make every day game day with the Gold Medal Success Show each Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Attention parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, a fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, with your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich, Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on Toginet.com. Welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here. So, Gary was so good, he had sent over his five business tips, and we're going to go through them one by one. So, the first business tip we have is have knowledge and understanding of the business you are considering. So, tell us about that, Gary. Well, I I think uh, people go into certain businesses and they don't have a clue. They just... They drink in a good example. They drink in a bar, and they drink beer three, four times a week. They really think they know the bar industry. So I can buy a bar, and I'm going to be successful at it. That's not the way to really be uh, knowledgeable about that business. I'm right. using a bad example, but that, there's so many people that go into businesses like that that just have no clue how much money am I going to make? How much money is it going to cost me? You know, uh, but that's. Being aware of and understanding of the business itself before you go into it. Uh, if, if, I'll use Donald Trump as an example. Donald Trump, what does he stay in? He doesn't own rest, Trump restaurants. Maybe he should. But he, owns, he stays everything within real estate, the real estate market. He stays within that market. He doesn't diverse too much because he knows that stay with what you know. And he knows that into the business. Maybe building golf courses. Maybe be building big office buildings, big apartment condos, complex. That's why he's smart and successful at what he does. And, uh, uh, yeah, no, that's just, he's just one example. Sure. I think that's great. We were saying on the break how much easier it is to educate yourself about the field that you want to go to because with the Internet now, gosh, you can even learn about your competition simply by going to their website. There are tons, tons of information about everything you ever wanted to know. But I think you're so right. The most important thing is to know the numbers in your business. Before you even get started, know your potential for success. Right. So, okay. Let's go on to 
Business tip number two. Have a good business plan and ample funds to carry your business for a significant period of time. Well, Tell I think us that, about that. Yeah, I think, I think so many people go into all different varieties of businesses so underfunded they have no clue what it's going to cost them. That's why the business plan and uh, doing a little homework before you enter into it, uh, to, you know, do you have enough money to carry this thing? What is it going to cost me? People enter in business, they have no clue what it's going to cost them to start that business and to carry it on. And, and you can't expect to be drawing income the first six months or a year out of that business. You, 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 ought to have, you better have that money in the bank to cover your living, your living expenses. But uh, that, that's, that's one point right there. Tell us about the business plan, Gary. You know, when you did your oil business and you did it with your dad, were you writing that business plan on a napkin? Or did you really? You know what's funny? In those days, on, on the good faith of my father telling me it was a good business to go into, there was no such business. We didn't even have a business plan. We just had an idea. We knew what the price of oil was. It was early. It was 1964. The, the price of oil was 9.6 cents a gallon wholesale, and the retail price was 14.9. It was good margins. It was like a 30% mm-hmm. margin. It was a good margin, but that's all we knew about. It was a good margin. That's it. And that was the business, the water business. I had a, to, in order to get loans and stuff from banks, you have to provide them with a business plan going out so many years to see where are you going with this, what is it going to cost, how much money you need to borrow. That's why the business plan is important for getting funding from banks and that going out. Okay. So, Gary, what would you suggest to somebody starting out if they don't know how to do a business plan? Should they um, have you done anything with the small business association or anything like that? No, I, I mean me- member of the Better Business Bureau, but that's an, I would think so. You need a uh, an accountant could do it for you. Put doing okay. a, a business plan. It would probably be. Uh, I'm trying to think what, what title would be a business planner. Maybe he's got legal background plus accounting skills. I don't know what you'd call that guy. But that would be the guy today you'd probably be using for a good business plan. And that's going to get you all the borrowing from the banks. If, it, if the plan looks good and it looks like you have a good, uh, good sense of a great future with this thing, people will kind of lean on you. Walk into a bank today without a business plan, I don't know how you can borrow any money. I don't know how yeah. they lend you any money. And I love the idea that earlier when you were talking about um, getting into the security business, before you decided to really do that, you hired a consultant to come in and – this is probably one of those cases that just hire the consultant. The money would be well worth it if you end up, like you said, with a rock-solid business plan that can get you funding. Yeah, that was with the water business. I did that with the water was business. Water, the, yeah. the alarm business, I did it on fear of losing portion of my business to this alarm industry. And it was just for protection purposes. And at the time, I didn't care, I didn't care if I broke even on it. I just really wanted to protect my customer base, and that's how I went into that business. No business plan, nothing, just <laughs> shooting yeah, from no. the hip, shooting from the hip. No, but, I think that's great. So, Gary, as you went on with your other businesses, did you actually have the written business plans? And if you did, did you see the difference when you put the business plan down in writing? The business plan I had definitely in the water business because – I went from uh, the same banks I was dealing with in the oil business, and I was a good customer, and I paid my bills, and they never had trouble chasing me for for money from the bank. So 
they were very interested in uh, talking about this new venture with the water business. And uh, uh, it, it's funny today, you go, you go in with a good business plan, they don't want to lend you. You have a good business plan that projects you're going to be doing millions and millions of dollars a year. The bank doesn't, if you, and you only need 100000 today. They don't want to talk to you about $100,000. They want to talk to you about lending you a million dollars or more, $2 million. Right. They're more interested if you say, I need $2 million, than if you say, I need $100,000. It just it gives it more um, value, I guess, the business by asking for more money. But I, I never would ask for more than what I really need. But it, right. it, it, you get their attention better when the numbers are bigger. Okay. So, Gary, business tip number three. Moving right along. Your tip is to get in at the ground level. That would be like uh, the water industry. We went in in 92, uh, and that was ground level. And I really wasn't 100% certain of this business until I saw how many customers really had an interest in it. And so we started putting on the accounts and putting on the business. And, uh, and that's ground level. I mean, seeing an opportunity, and that was an opportunity. Coke and Pepsi thought it was a fad. They thought bottled water was a fad. They didn't go into the bottled water business. I could be mistaken with the year, but I think it was about 98, something like that. They thought it was a fad. They went in it the first year. Both of them went into the bottled water business. They were doing over a billion dollars a year in bottled water because they have, they have all the shelf space and all the supermarkets. Oh, so sure. Want, uh, A&P, I want two rows of bottled water for our product, and, and because of their size, they, gave, they give it to them. And, and, you know, that's, uh, that's what happens. Yeah, it's so much easier with a bigger company is once they have the yeah. established relationships with the stores, like you said. Yeah, it's, it, you know, that's the ground level. One, one business I see out there now growing like leaps and bounds, the olive oil, the olive oil business. Olive oh, oil. really, Gary? I didn't olive even, oil. I, I would never think that. I have a friend who owns four stores. He's in business. He and his wife are in two years. Two years. They own they own an operation called Crushed Olive. They're all over. Me, I think I'd have 20 stores going, and they could do, they could have had 20 if they wanted to, but they they're going on a slower pace. But I see, the, I see the opportunity that they have, like I had the opportunity in the water business, and they're in on the ground level. Now you're going around, you're seeing olive oil stores all over the country. It's like this new trend, and I, I just think it's hot. I think it's a hot idea right now. It's I not costly to get into. Yeah, you're, it's so smart because, Gary, olive oil is a necessity. And funny enough, I just said to my husband, Chris, um, you know, he goes over to Arthur Avenue quite a bit. I said, next time you're in Arthur Avenue, I need another gallon of water, of oil. <laughs> oil. It's so funny. Well, you got to get down to Huntington, the crushed olive in Huntington. They're a great store. They oh, do, that's uh, so they've funny. Got, they, you can sample it. See, this is the new concept. They allow people to come in. Sample the olive oil and you taste it, and uh, you go on. You you know you go on. You oh, I like that one. Let me try this. And meanwhile, you, you can't do that in a supermarket. So that's a really oh yeah trend that you're getting in a ground level. I think it is. I think that's just a good example of what we're talking about in ground level opportunities. And this goes right into with your business tip number four: look for new trends in the marketplace and use your imagination. Keep your eyes open for business opportunities. That's one. Yeah, that that olive oil would probably cover that that thinking. You know, new trends. Uh, people are just into healthier things, and olive oil proven to be a healthier thing. 
So that's like a trend, you know. I'm, I'm, over time, I always would see something and come up, ooh, that would be a good business. I still, the wheels are always turning, but I think I like playing <laughs> golf too much now. <laughs> you deserve it, though, Gary. You definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, our very last business tip is number five. Your current business will always have possible extensions for you to explore. Uh, I always have possible extensions for you to explore. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's well, the example would be, for me, in my case, oil led me into the alarm business. Let, kind of all service business led me into the water business. A service business, uh, we have scrap plastic in the, in the water, but led me into the recycling business, which is castaway recycling. And I'm still in it a little bit right now, but it's, uh, it's just an example if you're in the nail business, why not do hair? If you're in the nail business, why not do facials and everything else? Don't just do nails. Do many things. Be a complete service. A full service operation. Yeah, you got full it, Gary. Operation. That's a I, full service I, I have operation. to tell you, I have learned a lot from you, and that's why I knew you were going to be a I'm as dumb as you get. <laughs> no, Gary, you're brilliant, and I love the idea that as an entrepreneur, you never took no for an e- uh, for an answer, and you just kind of said, "Well, I'll give it a shot. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work," and that's why you were so successful, in my opinion. I think um, I think you did great. I learned so much how important it is to diversify with your business. And I thank you so much for being a part of Paying It Forward, Gary. Thank you so much. Hey, this was a play. We really had a lot of fun doing it. It was great. <laughs> Thanks. You Thanks paid. for thinking of me and glad to be on your show. Oh, you're so welcome. And you paid so much knowledge forward to my listeners. So, everyone, listen, I'll see you next week. I hope you have a wonderful, productive week. And thanks again, Gary. I hope you'll be a guest back on Paying It Forward real soon. Love to. Thank you. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward with Josephine Tarasi on Togginet.com. This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week we'll be discussing accomplishments.